Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, you're listening to the podcast, So There I Was. It's how all great aviation tales begin. This is episode 81. I'm a freaking pinata. <laughs> I, I got Just hang in there. I got a core workout because Jungle is, tells a great story, and his stories are actually, well, they're, they're very good, but like I said, he's funny. I got a core workout of that. This was a great, great time. Yeah, we had a blast, and I think he had fun and is willing to come back, too. But we spent almost two hours with Jungle, so this is going to be a little longer than normal, but it's the time's going to pass quickly. Be prepared to pull over on the side of the road so as not to hurt yourself. All right. <laughs> right. We have a couple of thank yous before we talk more about Jungle, though, Fig. Yeah, we have a new division lead, El Peloto. Nice. He sent us a note, and I'll read it now. Hi, yeah. Fig and Repeat. Loving the shows you guys are churning out. Your shows take me back to the days when I flew with a number of ex-RAF Harrier guys who also had a plethora of awesome stories to regale me with as we ran the Bucket Brigade to and from their holidays between the UK and the sunny beaches of Europe. As someone who is six foot five, I could never fit in a jet unless it had freight in the back. I had accepted my fate, and I wasn't going to fly anything that could make me go ballistic, ever. So I might as well fly with an espresso in hand. Hence, now I fly self-loading freight as a skipper with said espresso in hand on a four-engine, double-decked flying cruise liner that is the A380. Could be worse. Check six, El Piloto. So thank you, El Piloto. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, El Piloto. Newest division lead at... So there I was dot us slash Patreon. And thank you to all our Patreon pilots. You folks are amazing. You're helping keep this show go going more than you realize, you know, money isn't tossed into your pockets. You work hard for it and you, that you share it with us is it's, it's humbling. I've got no it's better. Very humbling. Yeah. very humbling. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we, we pledge to do our best to keep bringing you great shows. Much like, much like this one with Jungle. Another uh, quick thank you to our sponsor, Robin's Bird Brain Designs. Get custom etched, laser etched coasters. She does a whole plethora of other things, too. For the other day, I was looking at some of the things. She's got like LED nightlights that you can turn your kid's drawing into an LED nightlight. Wow. I mean, stuff like that. Custom work. Custom laser etched Almost anything. And she's got new equipment. She's getting the ability to etch all kinds of things. Reach out to robinsbirdbraindesigns.com and see what she can do for you. Gift season's coming up. That's right. Christmas is coming up. I utilized her last year, and it worked out great. Right. Hey, you know what we're starting to get some more of? Ratings. Only five stars. Keep that perfect record coming, please. If you want to give us something less than five stars... Please write to us first and tell us what we can do to improve. Give us a chance to earn your five stars, right? So there I was, .us slash rate. Hey, we are trainable. We are definitely trainable. <laughs> We've proven this over and over. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Good point. So, and then what else? Share the show. Share the show. Yeah. Share it on your social media. Share it with your friends. Share the show. Do it. Do it now. Pause this. Please. Go share. Go tell two people about it. 
tell them to tell two people about it. Then come back and listen to this amazing show that we've got with a gent who has more than a thousand traps on an aircraft carrier, 4,800 plus hours in tactical jets. Tell me that doesn't give you the sore backside. At the end no, of the that's, day. Uh, that's impressive. That's a lot. Uh, that's yeah. a lot for a tactical jet, you know, right. and he didn't, you know, we didn't talk about it and he didn't say, but I bet he's about an inch and a half shorter than he was when he started. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And now here's the interesting thing. He and I were in Beeville at the same time. Now we didn't know each other, but I imagine we crossed paths and probably drank right next to each other at the O club a couple of times. He, he finished Beeville, I think about two to three months ahead of me. And, and, and jungle and I served together as instructors down in Kingsville. Right. And so in all likelihood, you actually flew in the same jet together at some point. I probably checked him out in the T 45. It was about go. that right time frame. And I have yeah. to go back and look in my logbooks to, to see, but I, I bet you that's, that, that's the case. There you go. So he was the executive officer, second in command at Navy Fighter Weapons School, a.k.a. Top Gun. And he was CAG Ops for CAG 9, I believe he said. Guy had an amazing career. I mean, just no two ways about it. Yeah. Five combat deployments, I think. Flew the uh, right out of flight school. Got the F. Actually, he got he had a choice between, I think it was Prowlers and S threes. Is that what he told us? This was a horrifying story, actually. It was, and the, and the skipper goes, <laughs> "Tell you what, I'll make you a sir grad, and then you'll be able to get your choice." So you just get your wings. Now you're going to go right back into the into this squadron and teach other guys coming through what you've just learned, and you're going to be a sir grad instructor. I'll make that happen. Well, they had turned the sir grad program off. And so Skipper called him up and it did a mean thing. Listen and find out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a dirty trick. <laughs> it was. And he's it, it's so bad. He actually called the Skipper's house late at night. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you really say this? Is this really yeah. the case? Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Don't, I'm, don't, don't tease it anymore. I mean, don't, nope. don't give away anymore. No, exactly. And then of course we asked him about his call sign jungle. What a hoot. Yeah. He started it in Beeville and solidified it in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, that's a good story. Hey, man, let me borrow your Jeep. No, you're drunk. Oh, I'm not going to drive it on the road. Okay. <laughs> that's, that is, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the drunk aviator's logic. Oh, you're not yeah. going to drive it on the road? Okay, no problem. Here are the keys. <laughs> Here are the keys. <laughs> oh, man. Interestingly, he he did talk about, remember we talked to several F-14 guys, it seems is a more common theme. These guys come aboard the boat at night, and, say, and one of them said, my knees were shaking every time. And, right. And he talked about it. He said, you know, I never really had that night in the barrel. But he did have an interesting night one night. He talks about that. This here is a true story. This is just about yeah. crossing the pond. I don't know, Fig. I think we we'll get out of the way. Let's get out of the way. The world's smallest cockpit. This is a short two hours coming your way. On the tanker. Sit on the ejection seat. Through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Like, no, I'm not. There I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was, uh, 
35,000 feet in an F-14A over the deserts of Nevada, both engines off. I'm one of the few guys that have glider time in F-14s. <laughs> what? Yeah. Did you say both engines O-F-F? Both O-F-F. engines F. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome uh-huh. to So There I Was, which is how all great aviation tales begin. And that is a great aviation tale that I can't wait to hear the end of. This <laughs> is Fig, and I am in Kearney, Missouri. Where's my co-host? I'm in Lee, New Hampshire tonight, enjoying yes. a little bit of time off. Yeah, get ready for some winter storms and... uh so, yeah, repeat here, coming to you from New Hampshire, Fig, repeat, and we are welcoming none other than Jungle F-14D pilot, among other aircraft that he's flown, and uh, boy, I can't wait to hear more about that. Some glider time in an F-14 does not sound, <laughs> oh, man, anyway, yeah, but I'll tell you what, let's let's back up a little bit. I'm given to understand that you might have been to an air show once or twice as a lad, and, and that's how you gained interest in aviation, or am I mistaken? No, that's, that's true. So I, I grew up in an aviation family, but no, well, none of my immediate family were military aviators, but my dad was a big aviator and aeronautical engineer, and, and so we went to air shows all the time. Okay. And, uh, and so I wanted to hunt and wanted to fly airplanes, and I just assumed that I was going to be a fighter pilot, and I assumed that meant the Air Force. And, and uh, when I was 11, I went to Oshkosh, a big air show up there. Nice. Yeah, the air show. And, and an F-14 was there doing a demo. And that was back when you could stand like, I don't know what it was, 700 feet, 750 feet from the show line. And, and the Tomcats still had the high gloss paint job, you know, from oh yeah, uh, from back in the 80s. Shiny you know, and pretty, huh? Stuff. Yeah, it was gorgeous. So he does the demo and, and leaves. And the announcer says something like, oh, he's going back to the ship. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And he starts introducing Dwayne Cole, world-famous aerobatic instructor. And everybody looks at Dwayne Cole and he's t- taxiing out his Taylor craft. And then he's like, Dwayne Cole taught the right brothers how to fly. And it's da 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 And from left, the high-speed pass. And, you know, everybody does this. And here's the Tomcat on a perfect summer day. Not a sound being made, right? Just totally silent, coming down the runway right at me. And high-gloss white and all the squadron colors and, you know, blue sky and green oh, grass. Yeah. Boom! Thumps my little 11-year-old chest and disappears into the vertical, doing rolls out of sight. And you're like, that... So I knew right then I wanted to fly Tomcats oh, out of Miramar. And, and so that's what I did. I got hair on my arm standing up because I was there just then. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I oh, yeah. It. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, yeah, I, I know, right? Yeah. That, that Tomcat pilot stamped his name on my chest. Oh, yeah. And then how could you not do that? You, ha- you, you were screwed. You were yeah. screwed at that uh, point, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. So obviously you did that, but I, and, you know, we all know that is not a short or easy road. So tell us, tell us the process. Well, it was, you know, it's funny. I, when you, when you know that early, what you want to do, you have a little bit of an advantage over most of your peers. Right. Yes. And, and so I, so I went to like, went to Valley Forge Military Academy for a couple of years because I wanted to see if I wanted to go to the service academy, you know, wanted to go to Annapolis. And so I tried that out a little bit and decided there were no girls there and I didn't want to do that. So, uh, so I went to Villanova RTC instead and, and thoroughly enjoyed my time there. It was a good unit. We had about uh, 340 or something like that people. Villanova. Uh, hey, what, Villanova. Year did, what, what year did you graduate? I was an 88 guy. Uh, was was, was, well, Biscuit, was Biscuit. Biscuit a Villanova Tom guy? Driscoll. Tom yeah, Driscoll? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No shit. Well, the world oh, just got a little smaller. It, it did indeed. We... 
Fig couldn't make it, but in, was it June? I think it was June that we went to. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, no, it was, ju- it was July, wasn't it? It was June or July. We went to Arlington National Cemetery and reinterred Biscuit. He was buried in Rochester, New York, died in Spain in 1992. I remember. And was buried in Rochester. And when his dad passed, who was also an army vet, his wish was that they be interred together at Arlington. And so they exhumed him and brought him down and, and they interred them together in Arlington in an amazing ceremony. And, uh, it was almost a squadron reunion for us. So. That's uh, so cool. Yeah. Sure. It was I didn't cool. know that. That's very cool. Yeah. I remember, I remember when the accident happened. Yeah. Oh, soul crushing. Wow. Yeah. Small, small. In fact, we're now. coming yeah. up on the 30th anniversary, 31st anniversary of that. It's yeah. November 11th. Yeah, it was, it was 91. Yep. It was 91. Oh, okay. So 32 yeah, it was years. November of 91. That's right. Yep. Because yeah. we, we were we in West Bank. run there out of Villanova. It was Planet Claire was killed in a Tomcat, too, right about that time. He was a Villanova classmate of Biscuits. Damn. And, oh. um, the, the nose gear pulled off on the stroke. They couldn't get out. Jeez. That's heartbreaking. So, yeah, it was. But we had, there's still, it's funny, the unit was big enough to where there were always Villanova guys around. Two backseaters I worked with were went on to command squadrons and did really, really well uh, out of that same class. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. So Villanova and then AOCS? Uh, no, I was rutsing Navy okay. ROTC, so get your commission right at uh, graduation. And then I did like a a three-month stint at the Pentagon stash waiting for my, my flight school date at AI in Pensacola was St. Patty's Day, right? So uh, that was fun. But so stashed in, you know, a young ensign, brand new ensign. At, at the Pentagon, the, you said? Hilarious, yeah. I was in the <laughs> congressional liaison office. That was, that was a laugh riot. We had, you know, literally, you know, three and four-star admirals coming by just wanting to see the ensign, you know, and what was interesting is that every single one of them told me that they would trade places with me right then. <laughs> and um, and it would take me, you know, 20 years to understand what they meant, you know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that. So that's awesome to you. So let's see, you finally got to Pensacola in was spring of 89. Yeah. So, you know, St. Pegasus day, 89, you know, I checked in and I'm like, Hey, is there an Irish pub around here? No, like, you must be in wires, you know, so, Yes, I do. You know, right. Starting a, a nice love affair with McGuire's Irish pub, you know. Good right. Time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you? What, what a, what it's a still there. To, well, yeah, what a great day to check into Pensacola, too. Yeah. Yeah. My, my kids love to go there when we go to Pensacola, so. All right. V, which VT, VT were you in? I was VT6. All right. Um, the, you call it World Mart, wherever it was. The, right. The, Food world. Food world, food world. That's a <laughs> yeah, like a supermarket was, logo. Yeah. I was in the same squadron like a year before that. Was Grouch? Yeah, still there. The Boy, senior yeah. marine. Yes, Grouch. he sure was. Yeah, yeah sure he, was. He, he was my okay. wing. He was my yeah. own wing when I went through there. <laughs> what a, what an experience that was. Yeah. Okay. Then, well, obviously, uh, you did uh, you did well in King or in primary because you you know you got jets and I know you went to Beeville, but but before before we leave that, was there any? So did you have prior flight time before you went to flight school? I I did. Technically, the answer is yes. I, I was not a private pilot or anything like that. But my dad had a little Cessna one forty, you know, eighty five horsepower Continental. Yeah. 
tail dragger. And, and I, I got to the point where I could probably, I could take off and I could probably land it without killing us. But, but that was about it. You know, I knew, I knew, you know, thrust, drag, lift, and, you know, weight. And that was about, uh, was about it. All right. Well, so well, I've got, I've got three of those anyway. I'm good, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, so that's awesome. Yeah, you wind up in Beeville. Obviously, VT twenty six was the first one. That was the T two squadron. That's right. And do you remember? Did you ever fly with Tammy Joe? Did I ever fly with her? I think she was in a form, not in my cockpit. Okay. But, All right. You know, yeah, I, I, I had a couple of briefs with her. Okay, I just asked that because we had her on the show. I don't know if you remember, about five years ago, Southwest lost an engine, and a passenger was partially sucked out. Yeah, she was the captain on that flight. Yeah, she did a great job, too. I was was so amazed to find that connection. That was really cool. Right, yeah. I was getting dressed in a hotel room, getting ready to go to work, and I hear, you know, one of the Navy's first F-18 female pilots, Tammy Joe, and I'm like, I bet that's her. There's not too many. uh, No. Women, right women named T- Tammy Joe flying hornets. <laughs> <laughs> Not back then there was. No. Uh, oh, so very cool. All right. And then on to BT-25. I think that was the Cougars. Yeah, sure was. That. That was. Jet Palmateer was my skipper then. He was an A6 guy. And Red Room was, was full of all kinds of aviators. And, and Jet was a big chess player. And so oh. if you were a student and sitting in the ready room, you had to either be reading natops or playing chess, and there were there were chess boards all around the edge of the. the uh, I, I couldn't stand sitting and reading big big blue, big blue sleeping pills, so so I'd play chess all the time, and I'd sit over there. And there were a couple of a couple of instructors who were really really good and kicked my ass all the time, but it was I I found that invigorating, not exhausting. I found reading the natops manual exhausting. You know? Yeah, right. it's, it's the quickest way to go to sleep. I mean, yeah, really. it absolutely was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for our listeners, we've covered it before, I'm sure, but NATOPS is basically the flight manual for the jet. How how to fly, how to operate this aircraft. So, yeah, and referred to blue cover as a big blue sleeping pill because, man, it was yeah. a tough read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Six inches thick, and but sadly, a lot of it written in blood, but that's... If it was a warning, yeah. it was probably because it was written in blood. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So, all right. Awesome. Awesome. Got, got winged in sometime around 91 ish. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, November of 90. November of 90 is when I got winged. And that was, that was quite a process. I had done, I had done really well in, in primary and then I did really well in, in Beville. And, and when I went to, I got a call from, you know, to the ready room from the uh, wing commander there, trade wing commander. You get your first choice, right? Yeah, Indy was my call sign then. Hey, Indy, you know, head over. And so I headed on over to the wing, and and the commodore sits me down and says, hey, I got some bad news for you. You know, there's seven of you getting winged, and you're going to be – you have your choice since you're number one. You you have your choice of five S3s and ES3 or a Prowler. Oh, shit. That's not a choice. Yeah, and I – I damn near died, but it was, it was like the fifth time in, in my short, you know, Navy career that I'd been absolutely terrorized or terrified that my career was about to end, you know, that I wasn't, I was going to get stopped by something. And so there I was, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. I guess that I said, the prowler has a trigger, right? I'll take that. And I said, all right, you know, sorry, Indian, out the door I went. And 
And Jet, my CEO, called me at home. He said, that's, you know, blankety, blankety, blank, you know, bullshit. That's not happening. I'll make you a surgrab. And the surgrab program had already been canceled. But he said, I'll get you in. I'll keep you around for a year, and then we'll get you another set of orders. You know, screw that. I guess sir. He said, just sit at home. Don't drink too much. You know, I'll give you a call when I, when I get an answer. And he calls me back two days later, and he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I, I did everything I could. I couldn't make you a surgrab. Sorry, sir. I, you know, I, I appreciate you trying. It really means a lot. I, I, I really do. He says, yeah, the best I could do is Super Tomcats at Amir Mark. What? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, it was, at that time, the D didn't exist. You know, nobody knew that the class was available for selection, but they, I was student number one in class one. And, and I was so, it was one of those things. I, that call was like four in the afternoon. And about 1030 that night, I had talked myself into, I didn't hear that right. He, he must have been joking. There's no way that was true. And I actually called his house that night and his wife answered and she laughed and said, no, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. And so I was off. I was out to Miramar flying Tomcats, just like I was, you know, what, what I've been trying Student to do. one in class one, no pressure. <laughs> so that was the super Tomcat because of the D motors. It was, it was a whole, you know, the worst thing they ever did that airplane was called F-14. They should have called it yeah. F-28 or something because it looked the same, but it was very, very different. The engines were obviously a huge difference, the GDF-110s, but the airplane internally was completely different as well. Basically a version of the Strike Eagle radar. We had the infrared search and track. We had you know, a glass cockpit and a heads-up display that was beautiful. And, and yeah, it was, it was all digital electronics and fantastic it, it was it was what the f-14 always should have been you know? so so you you started with you know so there i was over the nevada desert did you yeah. say it was an a model that you were it in was, that day yeah. only okay. a time i have i was a d baby and i flew the d the, i'm the only pilot that flew every tour was in an f-14d except at top gun where you also had f-14as and uh, so i i uh. had to get Kicking and screaming and F fourteen A qual. Okay, so, so yeah, this, so that, that that story is when you were at uh, Top Gun. Right. Okay, so okay. I, I do want to hear uh, the end of that. Yeah, so so do I. But it is, <laughs> I will point out that the guy who runs our our Facebook group, Chase Cole, put in there. OFF engines. That's where you want the engines, right? OFF on for flight. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nicely said, Chase. So yeah. So well, how was how was the rag as being student one in class one? I, I, the instructors were all new too. Were they were you figuring it out together in a sense? Or we, we were. In fact, me and uh, and a buddy of mine got there first. The the class was unbelievable. Right? It was it was the number one student for fiscal year eighty nine and the number one student for fiscal year ninety. Then the number twos for 89 and 90 or 90 and 91, 89 and 90. And then, okay. and then one retread. And so these, the, the guys, we were, you know, all of these dudes that I was with, even the Rios, they were all freaking superstars. And, and we walked in the door and, and there were no airplanes yet. And we were there. Some of us were there a year early because the program had been, del- had been delayed, Wow! but the Sims were up. And so we were okay. flying the Sims, you know, all day, every day, no instructors. We were just hopping in and, no around. bad habits developed there. Oh, it was, <laughs> no. you know, low levels through LA between the buildings. You know. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, and that but, was it. That uh, was we were asked to, to write the NATO option. And I was like, well, you can't just sit there and do nothing. So, you know, let's put you to work. And so, so we sat down and started editing the F-14A NATOPS, trying to turn it into the D. And we eventually did. I mean, it, it took a while, but, but we, we got there. And that process helped, helped us all understand that airplane inside now because we had to go get all the answers ourselves so we were talking to Grumman all the time and the test guys and that was that was fantastic I, I bet it was a, a good learning that. experience too I learned a right? ton about the yeah. airplane what did we really do you know because the Tomcat was always you know fat on gas around the boat we were never ever limited we were the fastest and had the most gas and the most loiter and everything else and, and oh. so we were never really limited never had to max perform the airplane but I learned how to and proved it one day by, by flying it nonstop coast to coast, you know, west to east from San Diego to DC. Yeah. People say you can't possibly do. Was that a? Did you set? Was it some kind of record or some kind I, of event? I, we were just the, the first time I did it was we were just my my boss needed to go to needed to go to DC. That was when Vipers was still in DC. Yeah. Okay. And so so. I, Took him out there, and I said, "Hey, by the way, Skipper, I, I think we can go nonstop." And he's like, "Bullshit!" Like, well, you know, here's performance charts. I'll tell you what, you know, here's all our, you know, back when you did the nav cards, you know, yeah. And I said, "Well, here's all our checkpoints, and if we're off them, we'll just stop." And he's like, "All right." So we did it. We made it, and then and then later I did it without tanks to uh, Pensacola from uh, Sando. That's it's that's pretty much coast to coast. I mean, yeah, you're you're, you're close. So uh, so when you when you did that. I'm assuming you you were step climbing as you got lighter. I mean, how 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 high did you eventually get? Yeah, we were up at I think 41. I think is where right. we where we were, and it was it was interesting because you had it was a very specific profile. That, then the, all the data was there in Natops. You know, oh, it was it was yeah. all there. Just nobody ever read it. You know? <laughs> Do you blame them? Really <laughs> it, you know? um, so yeah, it was you know we're up in the low 30s and then kind of step. And the issue was you couldn't get going too fast because you'd sweep the wings, right? You, the, the, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Is it, Cause that happened off. automatic, correct? I mean, the correct. wing sweep. Yeah. Are you, you, okay. You couldn't sweep them forward manually past whatever the computer limited to. You could always sweep them aft, but never past. So if you were going too fast, you, the wings would, would sweep back on you and, and you'd lose that, that beautiful benefit of the swing wing. So you had to be on this, altitude and speed profile that varied over time. And the other thing we learned was that the Rio, you know, we used to put the master arm in training and load up a bunch of simulated missiles and start shooting, you know, shoot all the airliners, you know, going by. (laughs) And the, the Tomcat radar had this thing called timeshare illumination time TSI, where it would, it could guide six missiles simultaneously. Right. And so we would do that by, track wall scan, but then every now and then it would STT that guy and STT that guy, and then it would go back. And, and as it was doing that, as the targets were getting closer, you know, the azimuth started getting pretty big and that big dish would start swinging around and we're on a max performance profile hanging on a thread. And was it moving the nose? It would move the nose around and we'd start coming off it. Oh. You know, and I, I peel them to, you know, I had lock on mode. The pilot didn't have yeah. control of the radar other yes. than some, some visual arena radar modes. And I, I peel in the radar just to get it to stop doing that because we were coming out of altitude and I couldn't stop it. That had to be um, a big deal. So yeah, it was really That's, fascinating. It, it really yeah. was neat. I saw that coming. <laughs> that had to have a big dish. That's all. I mean, cause I mean, really think about it. Yeah. To, oh. to, for, especially on the nose to wag it like that. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a great story. 
okay. So, yeah. So, okay. So you, you, so this is a little non-standard for the rag. I mean, you show up, there's no planes, you're screwing around in the simulator, not screwing around, you're training in the simulator. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. And going you, to the club you, every night. That's your story, so, and you're stuck with it. <laughs> so how how when did you like time from start to finish? Give me give me time frame. Yeah, how uh, long was like, when, when did you rag. walk out of the rag and go to the go to your first fleet squadron? Yeah, we we started up. I was at I was in Miramar. You know, early ninety one, and we started the class late ninety one. I guess something like that. Okay, and then. Is that right? I might. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I think it's. That's I, all right. I'm off a year. Just you know, just I, I was just yeah. curious if it yeah, was. It was about a year we were in the rag, and okay, uh, and, and, and then what, I made it to to 31 VF 31, my first my Nugget tour in '92. So I think we were in the rag '91, mid '91 to mid '92, something like that. What What was before the the new airplane? What was the normal rag length? Like what, what was, was it six I, months? I think, yeah, I. You know, I can't really remember. I, I think we went through at about the same pace as everyone else. Okay. Because uh, once the once the airplanes showed up, they were brand new. They were never down. You know. I mean, nice. And, uh, I bet they smelled like new, new cars. New car smelling. Right? <laughs> yeah, there were, there were several airplanes that the the manufacturing placard was right on the right rail of the uh, of the canopy in the front seat. Incentive. And there were several of them that I was. The, the manufacturing date was the same month that I was sitting in the airplane. Yeah, it was cool. That's awesome. We we had that experience in our Harrier squadron at one point. Yeah, flying pl- planes that just came straight from McDonnell Douglas. Uh, so so when you got to your squadron though, was it you say VF thirty one was the first fleet yeah. squadron? So those yeah. were all brand new airplanes, right? They were. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's kind of wow. spoiled. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, was, I tell you what, that was. You want to talk about learning? That that was where the bulk of my 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 fighting. My at least my air to air training happened in that first two years because we okay. didn't deploy until '94. So and I was there in '92, and our XO and then CO was a guy by the name of Pogo Clark who was just an absolute, you know, killer, absolute badass, and recognized around the world as a guy to come fight. You know, and, and he has his hands on the brand new F-14D, and he's got a whole bunch of freaking you know wannabe Chuck Yeagers flying for him <laughs> in the squadron, and and yeah, we. People came from all over to fight us, and, and we went on the road. And, you know, we went to the Air Force Weapon School, went to Navy Weapon School. We went, the Canadians came to see us. Thailand came to see you know everybody so, was there. I I know what you're saying, Jungle, but I want I want you to I want you to explain it. So oh our, yeah, non fight. So when you say people came from all over to fight us, you you're meaning different aircraft types in front, right? Correct. So yeah. so could could you expand on that? Because sure. it's it's important. Yeah, well, the the F fourteen D was brand new, and 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 all it was was on paper, right? And and so right. you don't really know what the airplane can do until you're in it, and you don't know what the airplane can do until you you fight it, you know. And right. so the the things that I remember specifically is we got invited to come up to the Air Force Weapons School a bunch, and and Skipper Pogo was very generous with us. He would cut us loose and go up there, and you know, a couple of JOs and and nugget nugget crews and we'd be fighting air force weapon school instructors and and awesome. and they were it was really interesting we learned a ton man i mean the the eagle guys you know they're pure fighters you know the right. f-15c right. weapon school guys and i fought their fought their opso and their training officer 2v2 with, with my roommate 
flying in the other airplane, and and we we fought them three three runs, full up full up Eagle versus full up Super Tomcat, and what yep. an awesome fight that was. I mean, and we and we learned pretty quickly that their wing was optimized for high altitude. You know, so once if we if we hit the merge up at thirty thousand feet or even above twenty five thousand feet, we were in trouble because our wings were too far back. But boy, once we got down below twenty, and certainly once we got to fifteen, we just ate their lunch, man. It was it was really nice. impressive. Once our wings would come out nice and straight, and you just see that thing, just like every end of every Hornet fight, you know, it's just wallowing, you know, out of knots and too draggy, can't get it back, and yeah, and it's just a gun pla- a gun target at that point. And but boy, we, we learned we learned to respect them up high. They just they just own us in the turn, you know. And, and so you know, there was a ton of stuff like that. People wanted to come and and find out what the airplane had and. You have 16 guys all all wanted to come and fight, you know, and, uh, we, you know, we, we were a good match. Was good I, I was going to say, how to match up against the 16 and the, and the uh, 18. So, you know, as, as we know, it's, it's the man and the machine, right? Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Peers of equal capability. When you're young, the Hornet was an easier airplane to fly by far. You know, it was a much, much easier airplane to hop in and make mistakes and recover in. The Tomcat was not forgiving at all. In fact, it would kill you um, if you if you insisted, you know. Um, <laughs> but once you learn the airplane, and it took a year or two or three, you know, once you really, really got it, you could, you could fight anybody and beat anyone. You know, there, there wasn't any airplane out there. You know, I, I, I've, I've fought a number of exotics as well. And uh-huh. the, the D... What was interesting about the D is that you could generate a very nice yaw rate, and in the F-14A, it would kill you. You know, the, the you know, you'd pop a motor and you'd be in a spin, and that'd be the end of that airplane. That's what happened to Maverick and Goose. Yeah, it right. is literally, and that's why it's been moving because it happened a lot. Um, whatever it was, thirty-five airplanes, something like that. Was a lot oh wow! Oh my gosh, I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, it's from memory. Please, nobody hold me to that. But I, it, it's a very it's all right shockingly high number. Yeah. It, but but the D wouldn't do that. GEF 110s were fantastic, you know. And and so what I learned is you could split the throttles and generate, you know, in pitch, you could generate 15, 16, 17, 18 degrees per second. You know, in yaw, I could generate 90, you know. And and so, you know, I, I could I could get treed up over somebody and just point at them, you know, just split the throttles and the nose would come it's right It's almost back. like having vector thrust without having well, vector it, thrust. It was only in one dimension, but it happened. <laughs> right. Right. There yeah. you go. 30,000 pounds thrust on each side, nine feet apart. It worked right. Yeah. So well, Chase asks, what's your favorite platform to fight? I've, I've fought in combat in both the Super Tom and in the ENF, F-18 ENF. Okay. And in an air-to-air war where there's an air-to-air threat, I would be in the Tomcat. Absolutely, hands down, for speed, range, sensors, all of those things. The in, in close air support, I'd, I'd be in the super. Hornet. It was a it was a great close air support weapon. Nice. Yeah, I got to ask you an administrative question, if you don't mind. What is the squadron makeup? Uh, you know, when you got to VF thirty oh, one, yeah. how many airplanes did you have, and how many pilots in Rios were there? Just yeah, it was uh, 10, ten jets, fourteen crews, roughly. You know, it was sometimes twelve, but usually it was ten and fourteen. Is and that the, kind of the standard loadout for an F fourteen squadron? It, it was at the time. So when my first cruise was awesome, two Super Tomcat squadrons, two Hornet squadrons, and then an A6 squadron, a Prowler squadron, ES3 squadron, S3 squadron, and two Helo squadrons, whatever it was, and, and, and the E2s. 
and the cod, right? I mean, it was, I think there were yeah. nine or 10 squadrons on that boat. Wow. Wow. 600 people on my first cruise. It was what hey, uh, what ship was that on, by the way? It was the Vincent, the Chuck V. Uh, All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I'm sorry, where were we? I'm, I, I well, we were talking about oh, the makeup of a squad, of a, oh, yeah, yeah. Of a F- F- so, squad. So later, when there was just a single Tomcat squadron, there were three Hornet squadrons that would go to 12, and I think maybe one even went with 14 jets. Okay. So um, they plussed so up when there was, yeah, okay. Yeah. Did, yeah. All right. So your very first cruise, any memorable, actionable items you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah you know, it was Southern Watch, and that was back when we were doing it around the clock, right? So, okay. So we had ships, or the ship, had like the midnight to noon watch, and the Air Force had the noon to midnight watch. Of course they did. Yeah. Right, because, you know, Saddam didn't fly at night. So, yeah. Right. So I'd go out there. I spent so much time on Texas and Main Cap. Occasionally out on California cap, just, you know, all the lights in the cockpit turned off up at 38,000 feet, you know, saving the gas and just the stars were so bright and we'd see so many meteors and, you know, the stars were so bright. I could read my kneeboard even without the moon once your eyes adjusted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And at the time we were watching Saddam's army, you know, run through the South. They were you know, we were there to stop the airplanes. We weren't allowed to engage anybody on the ground as long as they didn't shoot at us. So, you know, so wait, wait uh, was this uh, August of 91 or August of 90? No, I was later. I was in Southern Watch. It was 94. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Shit. What, yeah. I mean, Late I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I just had a little time warp problem. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it happens. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Did Sano Sam invade Kuwait? What? Can you. Define for uh, the listeners what Texas, Maine, and California caps sure, are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so along the 32nd parallel, the, Saddam, the, the, the southern no-fly zone was the 30, 32nd parallel south, and, and we had basically three standard caps that were kind of set out in the middle of the desert so that you know, nobody could shoot at us theoretically. And the east one was Maine, the middle one was Texas, and the far one way out west by Jordan was uh, California. And nothing, nothing ever happened out. Well, I say that, but <laughs> most of the action was Texas. It was right smack dab in the middle of, middle of the country. And so that's where we would hang out and wait for somebody to, to come south. And, and the rules were as long as the wreckage fell on, you know, south of the 32nd parallel, you could have at it, you know. And, and on that cruise, nobody, nobody challenged us. But it was great. We were flying as fighters. We, you know, nobody had dropped a bomb. We didn't have, you know, F-14 at the time didn't have that capability. And the D was the last to get it. And so we were, we had these fantastic loadouts, you know, carrying eight missiles and that kind of stuff and, and full guns and, and we're just raging around. The other thing we did was TARPS, the, the tactical air reconnaissance pod system. We had great air reconnaissance capability in the TARP and the, uh, in the F-14. And since we were so fast, I was tasked to do that. And, and, and Pogo, my skipper, he hated TARPS. He, he just wanted to fight, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And so he had this, his nuggets out there running TARPS missions. And, and uh, I had to run through, was it Talil or Basra? I guess it was Basra at like 10,000 feet to get the res we needed, the, the imagery we needed. And there was a bunch of AAA and, sh- and stuff there. And and so I came up with a plan to run through that town at like 800 knots at uh, 10,000 feet and presented it to the Admiral. And the Admiral ran up the chain and approved and 
I ran through Bosra at about 8,000 feet, you know, at, uh, as fast <laughs> what, as the top cat would go. You know? What time of day was this? Uh, this it was broad daylight. You know, That's was, what I was afraid you were going to yeah, say. It was like 10 o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. You know. <laughs> we were going, you know, and we were, you know, we'd be gone so fast I had no chance. And we, we were up at Toledo. We did a bunch of stuff. We'd run the, we'd run the border, the 30-second bar- parallel at yeah. like 30,000 feet. We had this beautiful long-range camera. They would look out to the side. So we'd run the parallel and we'd have our wingmen down south looking, you know, up north to make sure we weren't going to get jumped. We couldn't be, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't how how long did it take for them to realize that challenging the no-fly zone was a, a fool's errand? And well, some of those guys did it pretty well. Well, one of those guys did it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and he lived to tell the tale. But, uh, but yeah, most of them. Uh, it was. We had some fun later. A few years later, we had some fun. Then. Let's talk about okay. that. Yeah. I want to hear about that. I want to hear yeah. about these fun stories. Yeah. Sure. Well, so I finished up that cruise, went and did a, a tour down in Kingsville, which we can talk about another time. But that's where that's where we had a little overlap, maybe. That's, we did. We sure did. Okay. I, I, I think I think I was a student in your IUT front seat there. I'm gonna, the day, have to, I'm gonna have to look at my I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm me gonna too. Look at my logo. But so anyway, so I left Kingsville went back to the fleet for a Super JO tour in F-213 and joined them just as they were, you know, a couple of sets of workups and then off we went to cruise. And that one was uh, Desert Fox, if you remember that, and in 98 and the beginning of 99. And that was a very busy time. Saddam was violating the no-fly zone every day. And and they, we we were busy. You know, we, we dropped a lot of bombs and during that four-day period of Desert Fox. But that whole sprint into the Gulf and everything. After Desert Fox was over that January, Saddam violated the fly zone you know, dozens of times. And so we, we took a couple of live commits. I took two and there was a Fox bat pilot who knew what he was doing. He, he, he was trying hard to get an AWACS or a tanker. And so he was trying to get past or over the top of Texas cap or, or Maine. Okay. Um, and the, the, when we showed up, the, the valley or the desert floor was full of AMRAM. The Eagles were shooting and the Fox bat had turned around, you know, and trashed the missiles. And, and uh, they had shot a bunch when we got there. And so we had the Feeney bomb and, and, and we set up, we, we knew we were going to shoot at this Fox bat either the next morning or the next, the day after that one. And I got the lead on the second day, but another guy, Bluto, got the lead for uh, the first day. And we knew we were going to shoot. And, and sure enough, that Fox back came out. And that was that was the only time that the Phoenix triggers were pulled. But So he's talking about a Phoenix. You're talking about Phoenix air-to-air missile. Yeah, the M54, which, uh, which is, was uh, fired in anger twice, both you know, on two different airplanes <laughs> on the same room. And it's both pretty... of them failed to ignite. And it was, it was because of the arming process. And in the, in the F-14D, you could you could confirm that the belly missile was properly armed on the catapult. And as you're pulling up to the cat, yeah. you know, you go hands up and they arm you, you know, the last thing you do before the stroke. Yeah. And, and you could see a digitally feedback in the cockpit that the, the missile in the belly was armed, but the missile on the shoulder didn't have that feedback. And it required a little bit of, of elbow grease and some specialized knowledge to make sure you penetrated a plastic cap. And even though we, specifically talked to our gunner and a few other people the morning or the night before they did not get armed and both those missiles fell into oh, the desert. Uh, turned around. But okay. 
But later, you know, just the next day, I was out flying against the guy. I took a commit. He he did not come down right away, you know. And, and as soon as he got airborne, Jeremiah started telling me to head south, and they were going to move some eagles into my cap so they could so they could take the run. And I was I don't like, "Oh, bullshit!" <laughs> right? And they're they're telling me to move south. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, unable." And what I did, there was a bunch of Sam rings, a bunch of Sam's uh, surface air missiles down in Toledo. Yeah, and so I flew up north of the Sam rings so that I could not fly south because you weren't allowed to fly in the Sam rings. Yeah. Time. Sorry. So, uh, Sorry, so I, I put the Sam rings between me and home. I was like, yeah, I'm not going south. And there, and Jeremiah actual actually came up on a radio and, and called me by call sign and told me to, you know, go home. I was like, all right. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I started in the that fox bat. As soon as I turned south, that fox bat com- came after us. And the Eagles were over on California and tried to do this beam intercept on a Mach 3 airplane. They had no chance at all. And so I'm listening to this whole thing. We had JTIDs in the airplane at Link 16. And so we, we were listening to this whole intercept and we could see it happening. We're like, yep, we're going to get called to commit. We're going to get called to commit. Okay, here we go. And sure enough, they're like, hey, can you guys? I was already in the turn. You know, tapes on, master arm, here we go. And, and as soon as we turned hot, that freaking fox bat turned around. So I, I didn't get a chance to shoot at him, unfortunately. But he was a smart guy. He knew what he was doing. All right, fox bat. That's a MiG-25? Correct. So can you, can you define, can you just... It, in general terms, for our non-fighter listeners, uh, what a MiG-25 is capable of? Yeah, so the MiG-25 is is not a turning fighter, right? It is a twin-engine, you know, former Soviet high-altitude interceptor, and it is the fastest airplane on the battlefield. You know, it, it's a it's a good bit faster than everything out there. The the uh, Eagle and the uh, and the Super Tomcat were both, you know, capable of over Mach two. That airplane was, you know, literally capable of Mach three. You know, it was it was a fast airplane, and it could fly very high, That's so nice. high that we, you know we could have you know, that. There were certain limitations that we had that they would bump up against. You know, it was yeah. a it was a tough intercept. Thank you for that. And one more yeah. one more thing. You said one more thing, and 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 we we both knew exactly what you said. But I just want you to. So you yeah. said beam intercept. No stroke. No. Oh, stroke! Oh, yeah, the cat stroke. stroke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You said stroke. It's a slang term for the catapult shot sure. off the front yeah. of the yeah. barrier, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the cat shot. It's uh, yeah, the ride yeah. of the light. It's called the stroke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and the and the beam intercept is trying to get get to that fox bet on his basically on his beam on his wing. Yeah, from so directly beside him, ain't gonna if, happen. If you're, if, you know, if you're if you're pursuing somebody, you know, let's find it. If you're pursuing somebody like this and you're trying to cut him off and he's going faster than you. You know, you'll never catch him, right? It could happen. Repeat, it only took 43 minutes. We got him using his hands. His yeah, right. was, he was a, <laughs> Just don't shoot your watch, Jungle. We'll be good. Right. Yeah. It only took 43 minutes. That's right. So, Chemo, I don't know if you know or if you're familiar yeah. with Chemo. Oh, chemo. Yeah. oh my yeah. God. Chemo, he was, you know. He, he almost knocked himself out. Like, I wish right you guys on. could see what I'm seeing. So, here, I, here, let me try and talk about that F 15 trying to do a beam intercept. It's like me trying to run down Deion Sanders on a football field. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Yeah, good luck. He's not yeah. No. Yeah, good luck with that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't catch him if he was running towards me. So, but yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. So, all right. And then one last one J Tits. It is. It was Link 16. So, you know, when I first came to the fleet, you know, Link 4 is, you know, kind of a Vietnam, you know, 
very so old. Link. We're talking digital uh, digital communications, right? Yeah, the link. So, yeah. Okay. So Link 16 was a digital data link that at the time only the E2s, the F14Ds, and the Air, the AWACS, and I think they could see it at the at uh, AFCENT or you know CENTAF they call it back then I think. But but we had everything that all the sensors saw we could see automatically in the airplane, which was a huge help. Yeah. And then it also had two secure radios. And so, and J voice, so we had four radios in the airplane and all four were going when we were in country, but one of them, J voice, the J one was an Intel channel where there was all kinds of really good information going between the command center and the AWACS or the E2. And we were getting it live in the, in the cockpit. So we didn't have to have it relayed to us via code words and everything else, because over the secure radio, they just use plain boys. Nice. And, and so the the time to understand SA, you know, your situational awareness, the time to understand what was going on was collapsed. You know, we, we got yeah. really close to real-time information, which was extremely welcome and very helpful, you know. Right. That's big. That's big, big time. Big situational awareness builder. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, have, a, I have a question. It's probably way out of sequence. But I have it. It's in my notes, my notes, not not our shared notes. It's my notes. So somewhere in there, you got the call sign of jungle. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Are you able to talk about? Did it? that happen in Miramar? <laughs> Where did that? <laughs> it, it did. It solidified in Miramar, but it it started in in Beeville. Okay. Yeah, at, at our boat party. Well, it comes from Georgia the Jungle, right? And if you know the theme George, song, George, George, Georgia of the Jungle. Hey, watch boat, out. boat party. Talk about boat. What, what oh, yeah, the boat party. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> what is that? What is a boat party? Yeah. So, a boat party is a is a party that is thrown by the guy, the the crews that have just gone to the aircraft carrier to get their first arrested landing. So, so back when I went, it was in the T two Buckeye aboard the USS Lexington in the Gulf Coast. Off the Gulf Coast, and I got tears um, in my eyes right now, John. I know it was, tears awesome. in my eyes. it was so. I was so lucky to survive that. <laughs> um, it was a, yeah, it was, it was a blur. It's an absolute blur. But but when you come back, you know you cheated death, and no matter what happens, you don't have your wings yet. But you go by yourself. You know you're you're solo yeah. when you go. You know you have a flight lead who's an instructor, but you know there's nobody else that's stupid enough to ride in your airplane. When you're going to the boat for the first time, so it's all you, <laughs> right? And, and so you come back, you cheat to death. You, you know, you're not a winged aviator yet, but nobody will ever take those traps away from you, right? You are a carrier aviator, whether you get your wings or not. You know, and so you throw this huge party, and they're they're a lot of fun. A lot of bets are paid with the LSOs, the landing signal officers, and and a lot of you know, it's a great time, you know, and and you know. I was out doing donuts in the backyard of this boat party in Beeville, Texas, in you know, in a buddy's Jeep, brand new Jeep, you know. It's like two thirty <laughs> in the morning. He's passed out and I go and wake him up. I'm like, Hey dude, I wanna drive your Jeep. And uh, he says, You can't drive my Jeep, you're drunk. I'm like, Oh, I'm not gonna drive it on the road. And that made perfect sense to him. Goes, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm in the backyard doing donuts and there's no grass or anything back there, it's just dirt. And they, and they say there's a beer and a, and a tree or a beer and a girl behind every tree in South Texas. The only problem is there's no trees. Right. And except right. for that one. Yeah. Except for that one. And, uh, <laughs> and they're putting up a cloud of dust and, you know, spinning around. And I see the headlights go by. And I'm like, was that a, you know, 
boom. People started singing George of the Jungle Watch out for that tree. <laughs> there was a time a little bit later, I managed to hit another tree off-road in Maui going to a beach. <laughs> a Did you hit number. the tree? Did you hit that tree? Because you're... The, my internet connection got a little weak there. For, did you hit the tree that night? I, did. Donut? I hit the tree, and then and I kind of <laughs> got away with it. I didn't get a call sign change out of that, but then I went on vacation to, to, to Maui, and one of the guys with me was at that boat party. I knew about this, this private beach on Maui, and there was no road to it or anything. You had to kind of drive down this jungle trail, and I had a Pontiac Sunbird convertible. Yeah, we rented, and the four of us are in that in that car and I'm, I got to keep the knots up right. Or I'm going to get stuck in the sand. Got to keep the and knots up. Yeah, sure. the farm and there's two palm trees, you know, and it's, they're really narrow and I got to keep the speed up, you know, and my buddy's like, Hey, you're not going to make it. I'm like, it's going to make it. I said, you're not going to make it. It's going to make it. Boom, we go right between the, the trees and I leave both side view mirrors in the sand. behind me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, yeah. jungle, you know. There that's, you a, go. that's a perfect call sign. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't think you're going to make it. No, I'm going to make it. Yeah. Well, the good thing is a rental car. What kind of car goes 100 miles an hour in reverse? A oh, rental car. Best car in the world. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's awesome. Here at So There I Was, we're proud to welcome Robin's Bird Brain Designs. Looking for a unique and thoughtful gift? Well, look no further. At robinsbirdbraindesigns.com, they specialize in custom slate coasters that are sure to impress. Imagine having a set of coasters personalized with your squadron logo and call sign, or even your aircraft tail number and instruments. Whether it's for your aviation enthusiast friends or a special someone in your life, their custom coasters are the perfect way to show that you've put some thought into getting that something special for someone truly special. But it doesn't stop there. They can also create coasters with any organization logo and printing that you desire. From military units or sports teams, they've got you covered. Their high-quality coasters are made from durable slate, ensuring they'll stand the test of time. So why settle for ordinary gifts when you can give something extraordinary? Visit robinsbirdbraindesigns.com today and let them help you create custom gifts that show just how much you care. Because when it comes to thoughtful presents, they've got your back. Well, as long as we're on party stories, let's chat about the Miramar Oak Club. Was it, in fact, what it was made out to be in the movies? Was it as wild? And- oh, the movies have nothing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was quite an eye-opening event for, for this young man. I'm not sure people understood or cared about. You know, it's not that big a deal. It's just a big party, but it was awesome. But Wednesday night at the Miramar Oak Club was the place to be not only in San Diego, but in LA. And so yeah. it was common right. to have Hollywood starlets show up and, you know, play with bunnies and, you know, but the, the, the people who would show up from San Diego were, were incredible, incredible women. Yeah, they're, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're, you know, corporate attorneys. And it was just, it was something. I, I know this because I was there on a Wednesday one time. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, Jungle, I would think you're full of shit. But I know yeah. you're not because I, yeah. was, I saw it with my own eyes. It was unbelievable. It was out of control. I mean, it, out of control. <laughs> figuratively, not yes. literally. But, you know, fire walking was kind of normal. I'd, you know, pick up yeah. somebody and run through the fire pit with them. No, I'm in a fireproof suit. What could go wrong? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was... <laughs> Yeah, the, we had so much fun. We we would 
culturally, right, this was the way Miramar worked is we had a separate gate entrance to the club, right? So you didn't have to come through the main gate. And if you wanted to come to the Miramar Officers Club on a Wednesday night, you, when I first got there, you had to have an ID card issued by the base. They were called hostess cards. And we, you know, we may or may not have called them hostitude cards. And so these, these and we would be stationed. There'd be some, you know, there'd be some young sailor down there, security guard at the at the thing. But but the ensigns and JGs were assigned from the squadrons. The the nuggets, the young guys, were assigned stints to go down to the gate, and we'd stand there with a flashlight and shine it in the cars and look at the security guard and go, you know, if there was a dude in there or if, you know. It wasn't up to snuff. They'd turn the car around and wouldn't let them in. And, uh, and so everybody learned very quickly to come dressed to kill and, and, and don't, you know, don't bring your buddies and, you know, no. and, and there'd be 300 cars and they're parked in the grass and a sea of windshields. And you know, that place was, I, I can attest. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. And, it was a great time. I mean, it really was. Okay. I mean, that was pre-tail hook, and it was yeah. no. Was it pre-tail? No, it was post-tail it was. hook, but it, yeah. post-tail it hook, but pre and Feinstein. Yeah, it was it was it was pre-tail hook, and then and then tail hook happened, and uh, yeah. yeah, that was a total yeah. shit show. Oh my gosh! All right, well, I, I I could go on. I want to hear all those stories, but we should probably move on. Probably. I can't right. go too far down that road. Yeah. Right. No. So you eventually, I see you were the XO at Top Gun. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah, yeah it was. I, I, it, was that uh, when Top Gun was moved to Fallon, or was it still at Miramar? Yeah, no, they they were. It was up at Miramar. I'm sorry, up at Fallon. They moved it right when I left Miramar. We were prepping it to give to the Marines already, you know. So I think it moved in '96, and I I had left okay. at the end of '95. So I got there in '03. I was there '03 to '05, and. I'd done three back-to-back-to-back tours. I did one with 213, which was the Desert Fox. And then I I literally, you know, hot pumps, crew switch, jumped into the VF-31 jet and went on cruise again. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which was a blast. And then we got a lot of work done then. And then 9-11 happened, and then I extended again. I actually turned down my first set of orders to Top Gun to extend and, and, and go to war. And then left... That deployment, that was the mission accomplished cruise, you know, the 10 yeah. month, oh. month deployment. Right. Uh, left that about halfway through after doing a bunch of work in Afghanistan and, and went to Top Gun then. And so uh, when I, when I got to, to Fallon, we were doing, Top Gun was doing 52 weeks of classes a year, right? They had, as we were doing. Holy shit. That's nonstop. It was, and it was, it was insane. Right. So there was no leave. There was no, almost no IUT. IUT was worked into the class, you know, kind of thing. It was really, really challenging because at the time we had Navy classes, which were the fighter and attack classes. And then we were also had the Marine fighter classes that were the old school classes that were five weeks long. And, and so one of the first things we did was change that. And, and it took a lot of negotiation between, you know, MOTS and Top Gun and and the big Marine Corps and big Navy to make that happen. And then we finally did. We, we got a few Marines up on the staff who were freaking awesome and, and stand ourselves with the Marine Corps. And, and we started teaching the same stuff and it, it, it helped both schools a great deal. And, and so that, that cut down our classes to five a year or whatever it was, I think it was five. 
And then, of course, we also had the senior guys like myself also were training air wing strike leads when the air wing was coming in town, which was all the time because there was a war on. And so, you know, I'd do two Top Gun events and then go over and do a, an air wing event, you know, at night. And those were some long, long days, but the flying was, you know, best in the world without being shot at, you know. It's, so you can't be in combat. It's the best in the world right there. Jungle, how many, how many hours did you finish your Navy career with in fighters? I, I got about... I got about five thousand total. I think it's I think it was technically something like Holy forty-nine smokes. and change, you know. But yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. So I was, I was a high time Tomcat or super Tomcat guy. And then and then really a lot of that happened, I mean, like a third of that happened in two years at Kingsville. You know, oh, right. I, sure. Oh yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah. So yeah, t- t- talk about wait. Well, so was that a three-year tour or two-year tour for you in Kingsville? I did a two-year tour. I was trying to be there like a year and a half and just get back to the fleet. And yeah. it, it took me about two years to, to work that. Maybe, you know, like it was maybe 27 months, something like that. And But I was I was flying over 600 hours a year. And one year I flew like 800 hours or something. I mean, it was just dumb how much I was flying. I was flying three BFMs a day and then I was flying a profile. Hold and then, on, hold on. And you jungle. flew every day, right? So you jungle, flew I'm having, a, I'm having a flashback here. I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Did you have back then a Breitling, a big ass Breitling yeah. aviator watch? Yeah, yeah. From I mean, uh, giant. Top of yeah. And he shot it I with his hand. Remember you, bro? I remember. <laughs> yes. I, sh- I showed up. I still. I was wearing my uh, VF31. Whatever Dude, I remember Scott. you. I totally remember you now. You know, you know it was this. It was the. It was the mature hair and the beard and the mustache <laughs> that I'm looking at right now. Threw me off. But you're talking. Yeah, right, everyone. Yeah. Okay, I. You know, your voice sounds right. Now I've. Oh yes. Oh yes, dude. We. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's good times. Good yeah. times. A lot of flying. I mean, a butt ton of flying. And right. I learned a ton, man. Right. So you, you don't learn something nearly nearly as well as when you have to teach it. You know? Right. So that's, yeah. That's exactly. Okay. You don't know that what you don't know until you, try to, you have to explain yeah. it to somebody else yeah. whilst you're hurtling yourself at the ground at 500 knots. Yeah, yeah so find a way to communicate it quickly, right? Yeah, while while <laughs> yeah. we're talking numbers real quick, though, so uh, I've given you grief a little earlier because you couldn't get to 1,005 traps. Yeah, what a slacker. Any traps that stand out in your mind, any of those you recall over others and why? Yeah, I, you know, I never really had a night in the barrel, which okay. is... You know, a lot of uh, it's we've very talked calm. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard some horror about stories about a night in the barrel. You just have, you know, you got to go to the tanker a couple times because you just can't get aboard. Your scan's slow, whatever it is. I had, I, I certainly understood the pressure. I, I had a very high boarding rate lifetime, but but one day I, you know, I, I did like I hooked skip or I got lazy. If you if you let go of this stick on touchdown, the nose would drop, the hook would come up, and you'd hook skip. And I I might have I might have caused that hook skip. And uh, went over to the side at night, of course. There it was. Of course uh, at night. Yeah. At night, bad weather. And so I'm going around. It's no big deal. You know, it's just one one skip. And I come back around and I and I fly another pass. And I fricked it all up, man. I really messed it up. And, and I bolted just a, a straight, you know, too much, you know, high coming down and close, way too much power, flare to land, float over the wires, over the side I go. <laughs> And, and as I'm going around the second time I'm climbing out, I'm thinking, I started to feel like 
because everybody's watching on the plat, the TV oh, on the ship. It's entertaining. You know everybody That's is. entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now all of a sudden, oh, jungle's gone around the second time. And you know, Oh, this is going to get good. Oh, 5,000 <laughs> eyes come upon you. you know, and uh, it's all internal. It's all in your head. Sure. I felt yeah. I flew the I flew the pass of my life that time, but but that was so so I never really had any that really stood out except for late I was flying a couple of missions in Afghanistan that were like eight and a half nine hours long and oh my gosh you know, coming back and recovering at like one thirty and in the morning and and I was I was exhausted my scan was slow you know I'm holding Marshall waiting to come down and, and my scan was slow you know and I'm just screwing up left and right. And I, and I, and I know it. And I, you know, I, I knew that my scan was so slow that my chances of getting aboard were very low. And I was so intimidated by that. I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not, not going to freaking eject and there's nowhere else to go. You know, we're in the North Arabian sea and I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to come down to shoot and do my best. And, and, and I was, I was pretty freaking scared. You know, I really was. And I, I hate to sound so melodramatic, but I, I just, I was flying like crap, you know, I was. And I well, so it. You did, it had been in a seven and a half hour, eight hour day already yeah. strapped in that ejection seat, right? I'd done it before, yeah, I'd done yeah. it before, but for whatever yeah. reason, that, that I was getting my ass whooped. And so I came down the chute and, and long story short, I trapped. And, but I remember as I was rolling out, right, we, we trap, you get tugged back. And you raise the hook once the hook clears the wire and you get a signal to raise the hook. And then you throttle up and you turn out of the landing area to disarm, right? And so you got to turn 90 degrees. And there's another airplane right behind you, you know, so you've got to get out of the landing way, right? And you got to get disarm quick and you got to get to parking quick. And so so I trap and when I get the tug back, I put the hook up and I go to push on the rudder pedal to turn. That's how you turn the nose. And I start to turn or I start to try and turn out of the LA. I add power and my legs are shaking. My, yeah. my feet were just shaking on the rudder pedals and I couldn't push the stupid rudder pedal oh, and I just caught on the power and now I'm kind of rolling straight ahead towards the, towards the <laughs> end of the boat, you know, end of the LA. And the yellow shirt screaming at you, but. <laughs> oh man, I mean, you know, I reached down with both my hands and grabbed my right knee and pushed my foot with oh, my, my right, with both hands wow. and oh, turned God. out of the LA because my legs were jello. Yeah. And that's how much shot, shot of adrenaline on that freaking arrested landing. Ah. You are not the first Tom Kent pilot to report that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's the first time it happened to me. It wasn't the last. It happened one other night, too. Yeah. And there were, there were times when I was lieutenant commander, right? You know, OPSO of VO 31 and we're at war and everything. Man, you fly me at night. I am good to go. You know, no problem at all. And uh, Wait, what? A field grade officer flying at night? Yeah. Is that allowed? That's weird. <laughs> uh, hold on a second. That's a little weird, John. Yeah. I was at the top of my game. I was as good as I was ever right then. You know? All right. And, All right. Uh, you know, because the workload, had, you know, the administration workload hadn't gotten that big yet. And and yet right in the middle of that, you know, I had that that night. And I, it, that that will always stand out because I, I've i never felt that feeling before or since. You know, I just I just knew. I just knew. I was, Man, I'm not going to get bored. How the, how the hell? Oh. What am I going to do? <laughs> So I got a I got a note here that says shooter saved me from ejecting once. Shooter meaning that the launch officer? No, so shooter shooter is his call sign. Yeah, okay. so that was okay. a top gun. Actually, that's that's the story we started with. There I was. Oh, okay. well, let's go. Let's go there. Let's do it, baby. Yeah. yeah so so there so it was. We were, this this Tomcat, you know, it, we were getting the F sixteens right, right there. 
We're getting the F-16s at, at Fallon to fly as red airs, bad guys, you know, professional bad guys. And, and the Tomcats were going away. And in the last couple of months where the Tomcats were going away, they got to all the, I think it was Boeing back then. I can't remember who the contractors were and they were great people, but you know, the Tomcat wasn't getting any love at the end. And the F-14A engines, the TF-30s had, you know, compressor stall issues. They would, they would stall and, and quit and you'd have to turn them off and clear them and restart them. And, and that was fairly common. And, and what the maintainers were doing reportedly, you know, they they were dialing back the performance of the engine so that it would have more margin for compressor stalls, you know, and, and to prevent those compressor stalls. So, you know, at any given time, you're taking off and fouling at 4,000 foot altitude with, you know, one engine that's making 80% thrust, the other one's making 69% thrust, and, you know, off you go. And, and they were... <laughs> Repeat's laughing his ass off already. Yeah, they, they Whether were, you need it or not, you got all that thrust. Whether you need it or not, you got it all. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was something else. So anyway, I, I'm on a, a high fast flyer, you know, so I'm up at, you know, 40-something thousand feet and trying to get up 1.5 or 1.6 Mach and for this presentation for the students, the class students. And on this particular flight, it was wintertime and there was a huge snowstorm and it was coming west to east. You know, Reno was our divert. For, now, now were, you, were you operating, were you red air at this point? I was red air for this hop, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. And so, so there's, there's a huge snowstorm that's supposed to close Reno and eventually Fallon, but we're going to get this last X in, this last event, class event, and then we'll knock it off. That'll be the end for the weekend kind of thing. We'll all go skiing in Tahoe. It'll be great. And so we're out getting this event, but the, the storm, as it turns out, unbeknownst to us, because we're airborne, the storm is advancing much quicker than forecast, and it's already snowing in Reno, and the, and the weather has gone to mids. It's like 200 and a half, and it's snow. And, and so I'm up on this high-fast flyer profile, and I have to maneuver and that was when the engines quit and the F-14A you had to be really careful with it and not get any nose movement at all. And, and of course, I start to roll the airplane in a noseless slice and boom, you know, the engine that was very prone to quitting, quit. Okay, so I continue my maneuver, you know, nose low. And in the maneuver, I'm clearing the stall and going for a relight. But they, the students can't shoot me when, I'm, when I've turned like this. So I want to kill remove. I want to get shot so I can go work on this problem. And so while I'm trying to restart the riot, I start this kind of gentle turn back in towards the students, figuring I'm going to get shot, kill remove so I can work on this. And as I start turning back in, left engine quits. The right engine quit first and left engine, bang. And it was really stupid. You know, a seasoned F-14A guy would have never done that because they know you're already asymmetric thrust. And if you're trying to maneuver, you're, you're just going to, you're just setting yourself up. <laughs> and, you know, and so whoops both motors you know i go wings level and you know all you know all you know all the power all the displays everything else you know and I, I get i get the the right motor comes back i'm sorry the right motor never came back i eventually got the left motor back and so i start climbing back out and as i start turning back to fallon we get this big knock it off knock it off weather and it's already now starting to snow in fallon and so I'm, I'm climbing up. We have to let the students go because they're, they're short on gas anyway. And so I start to turn back around. I'm still working on going through checklists with my Rio, and we're trying to get the right engine going again. And the thing that's complicating matters for me is that the left generator never came back. So I've got 
I've got no generators on the airplane. Oh. I've got no left engines running, but I've got no systems at all. No Do you platform. have a rat? No, there's no rat. Oh, so, so I've got a, I've got a handheld radio on me and, and a handheld radio in the back seat. And, and so, you know, I got one engine running and no platform and, and the, and the field's going IFR. And, no plat, uh, so no platform, no platform. Uh, no platform. We have no navigational systems in the airplane. Other yeah, the INSs right. are dead. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. no right. displays. No displays. I, I did have yeah. steam gauges, so I could, I could, I could tell what our altitude was and our airspeed and that kind of stuff. You can but, keep your wings level, and that's. And you it. had a peanut, probably a peanut standby gyro at that point, that's right? Exactly right. Yeah. Oh, shit. That. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I'm still, I'm still clear clouds, you know, but we're they're moving in. Right. And so we're climbing up over, over top of these clouds because I can't get down there. It, it happened very, very quickly. Right. The valley's just filled in. And, and so I'm calling for That's a wing. terrifying. And, uh, and we're calling on the freaking handheld radios. Right. And those things, junk. which, which um, is uh, in your survival vest. Correct. About the, survival the brick nineties, the little yeah. handheld. Yeah. The walkie talkies yeah. is what they are. Yeah, yeah. And my radio was, was a total stud, man. You know, he had, he had an earpiece for the thing and had, you know, had it all set up and he's, he's running the radio from the nice. seat. and we fly over to Fallon overhead of all the weather. And, you know, there's PARs going on the precision approaches that are guided by ground control radar. Oh my gosh. And so the PARs are going on underneath us and we're calling, trying to get a hold of somebody. And we finally get shooter Simone, Bob Simone, fellow top gun instructor. He's an important, but he's a Tomcat guy. And, and he's like, hey, he's out of gas and he's on a PAR. He's he's shooting approach into Fallon and he's out of gas. And I said, dude, I, I can't come down. You know, we're we're going to jump out of this airplane if you don't come get us. And uh, so he's like, OK, here I come, boss. And he comes on up and I'm holding like at this point, I'm in like thirty two thousand feet and we're two thousand feet above the clouds. You know, oh and I don't even know where God. we are for sure. Right, we don't have a right. GPS. Right, oh, yeah, your INS is done. Your are you INS like shining done. your flashlight out the canopy so he can find you? Well, the only thing that makes this—oh, he's got a radar. It was daytime. Yeah, it was daytime. Oh, okay. So I actually see him. I, I guessed I was in Dixie Valley, and that turned out to be about where we are. And I see him come out of the clouds, his nose on us, and he had us on radar. The only airplane out there, and so he comes. And I was so happy to see him. So he he joins up on me. We never did get the other engine online. But you said you said he's got no gas, right? You I know. He, yeah. He's got I know. no gas. He's got no gas, and so so oh, now we start down. He's like, "Is that a prick ninety in your hand? Or are you happy to see me?" Exactly. <laughs> I was so happy to see that. Holy crap! So we we start down. We go into the into the clouds, and and if I lose sight of him, it's over. We're going to eject. Yeah, right? I can't. My, my my standby gyro is gone. I've got no I've got no attitude reference at all, except for his airplane. So right. we're just flying through the snow and ice with him. And if I lose him, we're out. And so me and Mario are talking about this, you know, and I'm, man, I really don't want to jump out, <laughs> you know, and, but that's what we're going to do. We don't have any other choice. It's so going to be cold for this PAR and he's emergency fuel. And, and so what this means is we're going to fly a dissimilar approach, right? So it's a Hornet and a Tomcat, which, which is a very complicated approach. But then the Tomcat is single engine with some of our systems missing, right? We're missing a hydraulic system and everything else. Yeah. So we have to take, and it's snowing, right? It's you're you're going to take it. You're going to take a trap. So I'm going to take the short field gear, but shooter doesn't have enough gas to go around. Holy so shit. I'm going to go into the short field gear and shooter's going to land over the long, over the short field gear and go into the long field gear. 
That's our point. So that's a that's a cable across the runway at the short end and the long end. So to, yeah. The hooks will go down to stop the airplanes because it's a slick runway. Yeah, normally. And, well, and he ha- he doesn't have the brake system, hydraulics. Yeah, you don't yeah, have no, the brake normally system. Normally, if, yeah. if you had a guy on your wing and you, it was low IFR, you would drop him you'd off. Drop him off, go around and, and do it again. And you would go around, come back, and land behind him. But yeah. he didn't have the gas to do that. Oh. Holy shit. <laughs> So, so we come down. And, uh, yeah, this is a fucking shit sandwich. It was. It was. It was nasty. I mean, it was. It was nasty. And and so we 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 break out of the clouds, and there's the runway, and we, you know, this is all being coordinated. I have no comms at all. Right. I'm. Oh, know, the I'm Rio. The right. Rio's coordinating. Oh, right. Yes, we're shouting back and forth. Oh to my Rio. gosh. And I'm saying, tell shooter. You know, they're going to go into the short field gear. And then if I skip, because you can skip the gear. Oh. And if we're going to land together, and if I if I skip the short field gear, I'm going off the runway. He He's going to go into the long field gear. And if I end up behind him and and he goes into the long field gear and I can't stop and I roll into the back of his airplane, you know, that's bad. Everybody's yeah. dead, yeah. So, so the plan was for me, if I skip, I'm just going into the grass or the snow. And I'll, you know, the Tomcat was a pretty good off-road thing. There have been a number of Tomcats that have gone off the runways over the years, yeah. and they, they did pretty well. Oh, I wasn't worried about it rolling over or anything. Yeah. And, uh, and so Fallon's pretty flat. Over. I mean, it's pretty flat from what exactly. I can remember. I wasn't too ter- terribly worried about it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm trying to communicate all that. You know, Tell shooter! You know? <laughs> no. And, um, no. So, obviously, you've got your mask off. You're screaming, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you can hear yeah. you. So, we come down, and then we break out, and, you know, shooter pats and Pats the dash, kisses me off, you know, and down I go, and I I, I catch the, the short field gear, and he lands right in front of me, and goes down, and gets the long field gear, and he he taxied back, and I got the the ride of shame on on a you know on a van that came out to get the crew because we left the airplane, we were the last ones down, yeah, and uh, we left the airplane yeah. right there, you know, no, and in the, in the middle of a blizzard at this point, right? Yeah, it didn't matter, right? And so so I catch him on the line. On the flight line, getting out of his airplane, I gave him this great big hug, man. I mean, he just he just straight up, straight up saved us from having to jump out of an yeah. F-14A, and that was that old seat, man. I man, I did not want to jump out. No, of who, who, who the hell would want to voluntarily oh, do that? Man. And so, and Shooter you know, was writing checks his body couldn't cash. <laughs> did, did Came back up any, and got hey, you with no hey, gas. Did oh. you guys? Did the did, did you two crews? Did you guys? Wait, was he in an ENF? Is that what you said? Yeah. So yeah, he had a, he he had a he had a backseater too, right? His not that shooter? day, okay. not that day. He was a Tomcat guy, but that day he was in a single seat Hornet. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Well, I mean that's kind of a big deal because both, you know that that's not that's not a cheap that's not a cheap training aid, so to speak. F14A. I know it was old and all that bullshit, but still, did anybody get a slap? Uh, you know, pat on the back. Hey, attaboy! Thanks for bringing the jet back. Thanks <laughs> for know, going and rescuing these guys. Or did they? Was it a good old fashioned? Hey. He did what you're supposed to do. Air medal for it. Yeah, I mean, he sh- he should have got an air medal for it. But honestly, there was a, a huge distraction from that. Right? We we go literally, you know, I'm my arms around him. We get, I'm laughing and he's laughing and my Rio's laughing and we go walking into maintenance control and we have all these long faces and like what you know what's going on? Like one of the F5s flew in the mountain. No. Oh, and, shit. Uh, that day? Yeah, right. Oh, that hot. Right? Jeez. He, I saw the hole. I saw the hole that, that that F5 chose to go down. There was a, a moment where I saw the bottom of Dixie Valley, and I, I was like, oh. Maybe, if I yeah, this is down, my chance. This is my chance. I dive through this hole. I can stay VFR. 
right? Yeah. If I could get underneath those clouds, I could just fly. Even if it was a hundred feet, I could fly down a road, you know, fly down highway 50 until I got to Fallon and NAS Fallon and land. I could, I could. And that my friends is what we call a sucker hole in aviation. Yeah. And it was so tempting and the weather was so dynamic. It happened so fast. And I, and I was still up in the thirties and I had to get down to like, you know, 4,500 feet in, in a, right. a minute, you know, I mean, it was a long, long yeah, way down. That would have been a big ask. You would yeah, have been all in ass. And then, and then recover, you know, single engine at the bottom, just right altitude. I didn't know how low it was. There would have been two down. holes there, Jungle, if you would have done that. I think so. I, and he went yeah. right there. That's exactly where he went. And the F5, yeah. F5 was a terrible IFR machine. I mean, it really, I shouldn't yeah. say that. I mean, it was a dangerous challenging high-speed airplane yeah. you know you yeah you th- those guys did not want to f- no. shoot if you didn't have to you did you didn't really didn't want to fly ifr in that plane no that's yeah i get it and uh and so yeah so so that that i don't tell that story very often because of how it ends you know um, yeah well uh, you know but tragic. that just highlights the it's 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 a hazardous business and well, and, and we all know that and yeah. there's 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 threats everywhere and just when you think i got this thing solved well maybe i don't and and that's you know and all these stories guy we got guys flying in a terrain at night the, you know guys flying through a sucker hole in a terrain i mean these are very capable aviators that were were trying to you know yeah they weren't see, slackers they'd been trained you know, no, yeah. this wasn't. Yeah, they, they weren't flat hatting. This this out. wasn't yeah. you know stunt flying. This was yeah. I'm, I I got to get this thing done, and holy shit! I mean, it's just the yeah. it's it's a very it's a very risky operation. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, start to finish. I, I think our old bartender out of out of Oceana kept a a list, and it was it was forty buddies uh, start to finish in twenty years. And yeah. Yeah. So, now, you, you you alluded earlier, and I don't know if this is. Did you fly the ENF, F-18 ENF as well? I did. Yeah, at, my last at, my 07 deployment. Yeah. As an operational, in an operational squadron or at, at, at yeah, Top Gun? Yeah, in combat. Yeah, oh. in both Iraq and Afghanistan. In fact, I was there for the surge, if you remember that, in 07. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. So so ENF, so the E was the single engine, or uh, sorry, single seat, and the F was a two seat. Correct. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. pretty much identical. And, and did the, was the F a systems platform type thing like with pods for, you know, no, the, 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 you know the the g came along and that was the growler okay, you know, okay. that kind of thing the the enf this was really fascinating while i was at top gun the enf were identical on the front seat and yeah and so the only you know when we, when we showed up i was there for the last tomcat class as an instructor but i had a whole bunch of really talented tomcat rios you know we're talking instructors there and you know, my, my challenge to them was to take these single seat Hornet guys who have no love at all for the Tomcat and no love at all for the backseaters and make them want to take you in an F. And I said, you'll know you're, you, you know, you're winning, you know, you've done your community a service when the biggest, baddest training officer, you know, who has the whole world on his shoulders at Top Gun, instead of taking a C or an E, takes an F so that he'll have you in the back seat to help him on his, yeah. on his, on his fight. And those guys did that. And, and so there was some, 
there were some tasks. There are some times, and certainly I, I experienced those in the Tomcat. I knew that those times were there where, you know, the vast majority of the time I can handle flying and fighting the Tomcat. But there was, you know, a handful of moments where I needed somebody in the back seat. We were, we were better together. One plus one was not two. We were, we were something more than two. And, and so it's awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah, it wasn't all the time, you know, it it was most of the time we just had our roles and we did them, but truthfully I could have done them all myself on any given day. But that night when my scans breaking down, thank God I had somebody in my trunk, you know, whispering sweet nothings to me and handing me a Jolly Rogers up the left side. So I got a little burst of sugar, you know, get my scan going. You know, okay, candy, we call it. A trunk monkey. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I, I, flew, I flew the E and the but I only did, I think all of my combat sorties in the Rhino, the F-18, ENF were in the F. I always had okay. somebody with me because um, we were doing a lot of close air support, and that stuff is just—I mean, that's busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, like I'm we, telling you guys, yeah. we know yeah. about that. Hey, how, how many hours did you get in the F-18 jungle? I, I don't remember. I, I think I, I think I got over a thousand. No shit. You you yeah. got a lot of flight time, all? brother. Is that all? <laughs> what a slacker. Only, yeah. a, only a thousand and four traps. I'm not sure that that's true. I, I might have ended up with like 850 or something like that. I, I have to look. Uh, I haven't. There you right. go. Listen, we're not going to hold yeah. you to it. It's okay. Yeah. I flew as much as I could. I was a, I was a whore, man. That's awesome. What about, so I have one other thing in the notes here too. You're talking, let's go back to Iraq. You said Iraqi trickle, triple A is pro- probably one of your most intense moments in the, in the airplane. Yeah, so I, I did three back to back to back to back to back deployments, right? Okay. So I, I did the I did the two thirteen deployment for Desert Fox, and then I, I moved over to thirty one, went on deployment with them in in two thousand one, and then nine eleven happened, and I stayed around for the O two O three cruise. The two cruises were literally back to back. The one with two thirteen is a Super JO, and then it's a young department head. So I I had just left theater, and I came right back. And so I knew an awful lot. And so I was doing a lot of briefings and turnovers for all the new squadrons coming in and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a new air wing, a new admiral, a new, you know, everybody's new except for me. And, and, you know, Saddam was shooting at us. There was a, you know, there was a bounty on us when we were there in 213. Some of us by name, you know, there, there was, you know. How did you find this out? I mean, what was this intel? Oh, yeah, we knew we, we 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 knew a lot of what was going on over there on that side, and and they knew a lot of what was going on on our side too because there were some there were some people passing the you know passing the airplane to Sedan every day you know I mean for crying out loud he he knew everything that was going on. Let's just say some of our allies aren't that allied. And weird. And so hey, uh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Wait. Wait. What? <laughs> yeah. So uh, so when we were in country. In 98, 99, we were getting shot at all the time. So when we, when the Toms were in, you know, we were flying at, you know, 0.9 and then 10% of our altitude in, in our, uh, yeah, in, in seconds is we would take a big jank, you know, 15 degree heading change or more. And that was for the big AAA. Saddam had more AAA pieces. I think it was the third largest, you know, holder of AAA pieces in the world. Yeah. And they were, and he was using the hell out of them. And they had just shot down some airplanes out in Kosovo. And Saddam had some, reportedly had some, some people coming in to advise him on how they did it. And they were, they were, 
they were trying sometimes hard, sometimes not very hard. But so we were, we always had our speed up. We never took anything for granted. We were always jinking everywhere in the country. We were hauling ass because we had the fuel and we could do it. Next deployment, we're doing mixed section, mixed division. So you have Hornets and Tomcats flying together. Yeah. And the reason they used to do this in the F-14A is because the F-18 had a better short range radar than the F-14A. And that was true. And so a Hornet and a Tomcat together made for a nice combination. They complemented each other. <laughs> but we had the most powerful and sophisticated fireborne radar in the world, man. You know, you didn't need those guys slowing us down and they were slow. And I, I made my arguments. <laughs> wait, wait. Can well, you uh, say that again? Just the hornets were slow. Freaking slow, man. And they had the gas. I mean, they had to, I mean, they were, you know, they were loaded. They had tanks, they had weapons, you know. And, yeah, and so yeah, we're, yeah. we're flying around. I mean, the Tomcat couldn't tell. You could hang everything on it and it, it, it didn't care. You know, it, yeah. it, it, was, it didn't care. It was going, man. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I get, you know, so now we're doing this mixed section, mixed division. And I think, I think we successfully argued them into just going in this mixed division. So we had a section of Hornets and a section of Toms and, and we're doing this stupid area fam, you know, anybody listening out there who's going to be tacky or flying in bad guy country, don't ever disrespect your enemy like this. Don't fly around. We would get assigned these targets Hey, these targets are the ones we're going to hit someday in the future when Saddam violates the no-fly zone or whatever. So you guys go out there and you fly to, straight to this target, then straight to that target, then straight to this target, and then home. And do that every day for six, seven weeks at the same altitude, you know, at the same what time. What could go day. wrong? What yeah. could possibly go wrong? And I, <laughs> you know, and I, I did a poor job of successfully influencing my leadership, right? You know, I mean... I, I lost. We're, this is what we're doing, Jungle. And I was like, so I had, so here I am one day. There I was, you know, day g- doing our freaking target fans, flying through Basra up north, right along the Iranian border, which is just dumb. You know, I'm sitting here, you know, yeah. with my wingtip pointed at an enemy nation, and, you know, 12 miles from the freaking border in bad guy country. You know, and I, <laughs> you know, it was just the stupidest thing. And I'm going you know, 300 knots because I got hornets on my wing that don't have enough fuel to go all the way around the track with, unless we go that speed. Oh. 280, I think is what we're doing. 280. Yeah. In other words, you're going really, really slow. I'm yeah. a freaking pinata, you know, pinata. I'm, I'm <laughs> pissed yeah. off about this, you know, and I'm, yeah. you know, you're so high. You can't, you can't really pick up AAA during the daytime. You know, the big guns, if you happen to be looking right at them, you'll see it. But, the first indication is going to be, you know, they're shooting at you. And so we go up there and we, we hit our stupid turn point and, and I've got, I got my Tomcat wingman on my right wing and I've got a section of Hornets on the left wing and dash three is a section lead under instruction and a Lieutenant commander my peer is dash four. Right. And so we do our turn and out of the turn, we're set up like that. I've got my wingman on the right and my two Hornet wingman on, on my left. And out of the turn, you know, it's, it's a big, complicated turn when you're that slow. You know, we all cross and come out. And we're in formation, kind of all line abreast about, you know, five or six miles across. And and I look over to see that the Hornet guys are in position. And I see 20 155 shells go off around dash four. 
and they go off in front of him, behind him, above him, below him, right of him, left of him. He just oh. disappeared out of black. Oh my and, and orange fire, you know, it's just, you know, and there's no sound, of course. You just yeah. look out there and just see that happen. And you're like, holy and shit, that just happened. Yeah. yeah, and that was the most scared I've ever been in my whole life, as it turns out. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm 280 knots, I'm sitting in the seat, and I got my mask off, I'm just pissed off, and I'm sitting here like a pinata, and then there that happens. And I freaking, you know, fuck this, man full blower, you know, jam the stick forward. You know, me and my women go, you know, exit in the vertical to get supersonic. I get my mask on and I start trying to report. By the way, the good news is, is that if Saddam shoots at us, we get to blow something up. Yeah. And we already yeah. have <laughs> And so we have this all brief. We're going to head over to the initial point and, and rendezvous and, and start our run. And, and the, the IP was, I don't know, 50 miles away, something like that. And so I, you know, I get a bag of knots on and, and start to turn out in that direction, you know, Tomcat flight, flow, whatever. And I'm looking for my, all my women. And I've got the Tomcat with me and I've got dash three with me and no dash four. And, oh, shit. Um, oh, shit. And I, I can't see them anywhere. There's no, there's no debris cloud. There's no fire other than the, cl- the cloud of, of shells yeah, that went AAA, off. Yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing else and there's no shoots and we're, and the thing is, is I've got to get a call out, right? I got to let everybody know that we just got shot at and I'm the mission commander and I, I couldn't freaking speak. And I was so disappointed in myself. I, the other thing in our, in our system, you, you, you don't say where you are exactly. You say where you are relative to a bullseye point. That's some random point in country. Right. And so I'm in the Tomcat, we didn't have, like we do in later software and in other airplanes, you just have your position relative to bullseye everywhere in your display. At any given time, you can just read it. In the Tomcat, you had to subtract 18 or add 18, you know, to the bearing. <laughs> yeah. And and I couldn't, I couldn't freaking do it. I'm sitting there looking at it and I, I couldn't do the math, you know, and, and it, it seemed like an eternity. I could not speak and I could not do the math. <sighs> I took a deep breath and waited for my brain to start working again. And it, it seemed like 10 seconds. It was probably a second and a half or something. Right. But it seemed yeah, like yeah. an eternity because I'm looking for my wingman. You know, I want to get past this report so I can get back to business. And finally got the call out. And then we started headed over there. Anybody, do we, you know, do we start a search and rescue right here? Is he down? I'm calling him on the radio. I'm calling him on guard. Nothing, you know. So I, I flow over towards the IP. It's about 30 miles away. We don't see any wreckage. We don't see any shoot. So we start flying over towards the IP. And I start my turn to kind of gather up my, my wingman. And I look back and there's dash four, you know, and he's nose on and he's coming and he shows up and he joins up right on my right wing. You know, he's like, sorry, dude. I couldn't talk for like a minute and a half. <laughs> it him so bad. He couldn't talk. He, he almost literally went to the bathroom in his airplane. Yeah, um, he he told that story later about what it looked like from inside that cloud. Oh, I bet he heard it. He heard all of that stuff. Oh, I bet wow. he. Heard. Holy shit! Uh, we couldn't believe. We couldn't believe so, it. Because a lot of guys we've talked to about being in flak said the weirdest thing about it was you can't hear it. You know, you see here, you know, in the movies, it's boom, 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 boom. Since you're in the airplane, you can't hear it. He heard it. So did he? Have, did he have any battle damage from the shrapnel? None that we saw. There was. There was a little mark on his vertical fin that that might have been something, you know, but there was no 
No, so he wasn't saying. leaking fuel. He had all his hydraulics. He had no whole, exactly. holy shit. Man. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. It, and it turned out they had set us up just exactly. They'd been watching us do our thing. And well, of course, because you guys are, right? Like you, you said. Set your watch by it, right? Same yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they took a great shot. I mean, they earned that shoot down. They just yeah. got unlucky. Uh, wow. Yeah, we were, we were um, so freaking lucky that day. And, and that was... I'll never be that scared. You know, I, I could be in a car accident. I could be, I could be in anything. I could face death at any moment and it would not scare me as bad as, as thinking <laughs> right. I lost my woman right there. Thank you. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. That's awesome. That is, that, wow. is, that is no shit. That is a, that is an awesome story, dude. So other than when you were, you had both motors in the F-14A shut off and then were, you know, had you ever had your hand on the ejection handle other than? I never did. I, I, Because I, this is pretty incredible, dude. 20, how many, how many years? Almost 5,000 uh, hours and not, not even touching that handle. 20 years in the Navy, 5,000 hours in fighters and you're kind of a rarity. Yeah. I, you know, I was flying all new equipment. You know, even the even the T forty fives I was flying were new. I mean, the only the well, oldest airplanes I flew were the T two yeah. and the A four back in the day, yeah. and, and there yeah. were there were a lot of mishaps there. But 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 I was pretty fortunate in most of the equipment I was flying. the 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 closest I came was with shooter the, the, that day in the Tomcat. But there was Glad another time that. early in my career. I was on my first deployment. In fact, before we got in country, we were just transiting, and. We're, you know, 1,200 miles from the nearest divert and we're flying and I go off the catapult and I have no left stick at all. You know, Ooh. the flight controls work just fine on during the wipeout and then salute, cat, you know, cat stroke, rotate and do my clearing turn, which was to the right. And then when I tried to level the wings, there was no left stick at all. She just, wouldn't level. Whoa. Yeah, there was just like so, a, like there was a plate inserted on, you know, preventing the stick from moving left at all. Oh, shit. They moved it right forward and aft, but. Did left rudder work at all? Were you able to correct a little bit? Well, the stick didn't work at all to the left, but the rudders did. So, you okay. know, I level the wings with the rudders and off we go. And, and so we start, you know, call, you know, call the boss and yeah. call the skipper. And, we're, and I'm a nugget, you know, brand new pilot, you know, got a couple hundred hours in the Tomcat. And and so we're we're troubleshooting. And and I was, I was always aware that when I was flying the F-14, the guy in the back seat, his only vote was with the ejection seat, right? He was not a pilot. He, he did not have flight controls. And so if I scared a Rio bad enough, he'd pull the handle on me, right? You know, and save right. our lives is what usually happened. He'd save us both. But, but I was very conscious of the fact that I needed to not scare my back seat, you know, and even early on. And, <laughs> and so on. We're doing the slow flight and we're talking to everybody and we're going through this whole thing. And, you know, do I try to force it or not try to force it? That was the big discussion. We decided not to try and force it. That after slow flying the airplane, I could control it just fine with the rudders. And and so we cleaned back up and we've decided we're going to come aboard and everything's going to be fine. We get all clean. We have the discussions. We sign off on the radio. And my Rio says, Joe, I want to slow fly the airplane again. And I almost... Pissed himself right there, you know, because I knew he didn't, he didn't want to come aboard the ship. He wanted to jump out in the middle yeah. of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. And, uh, oh, thank you. Know, look at it from his point of view. He's flying with a freaking nugget pilot. He's got a couple hundred hours in the airplane. Right on. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, and and so he wanted to slow flight again. And so I so I 
yeah, you got it, man. So we, we slow down and we dirty up, and showing them the full controllability of the airplane with the rudders. Look, you know, if, if, you, if they give us a right for line, that was the problem, right? Is if you got a right for lineup coming down, so, you know, the, the ship, is, the landing area is at an angle, yep. right? The ship's always moving away from you to the right. It is. It's always yeah. moving, you know, eight or nine degrees you know, away from you on the to the Folks, right. If you can see, if you're not, if you can't see this, he's jungles using his hands again. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so as you're coming down the chute, you know, it's you're constantly making little bitty right wing down corrections, and if you fail to do it, you'll get a call from from the LSOs right for lineup, and that's you know that's a hard call, and you got to you got to respond to that. But the response is, you know, give them a nudge of of right wing to move the wings to yep. move the wings to the right, roll right, to yeah. correct your lineup. But then you immediately need to level the wings, and, and that would require left stick, and I don't have left stick. And so that's what he wanted me to practice, was was correcting from a, a potential right for lineup call with the left rudder. And so I was showing him how much authority the Tomcat had, and the yeah. rudders had plenty of authority. And, okay. But I was, I, you know, whatever you want, man, I will, I will, you know, I'll use plenty of gas. We'll come out, we'll get a tanker, we'll, we'll, we'll practice passes yeah. until you're comfortable. But I don't want to learn to tread water tonight. <laughs> I know. And then even after we were all done, he, he, he ends with this. Okay. But if you get past 10 degrees right wing down on final, I'm pulling the handle. And so I flew that whole pass. Wings are do. <laughs> no, Don't go past 10 degrees right wing down. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, at least a, he gave you a parameter, right? You knew what his limit was. That was, wow. that was, that was not great. Good. And there was That's no auto court. flight in this, right? What's that? There was no auto flight of no, any kind. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, so. Well, you know, hey, oh. let's look at it this way. And this is, this is a good lesson. You know, as a crew, you guys were a two-man crew. You know, repeat and I never flew with the crew until we got to the airlines. You're a two-man crew, and you just did some cockpit resource management, believe it or not. They, you guys coordinated, and he told you what his limit was. Hey, 10 degrees of bank is my limit. You, if you go beyond that... I'm getting us out of here. Yeah. So and what was the, you did you have command ejection? Could you have said, "All right, you can go. I'm staying." Or how did that work in that? I, I thought about that secretly. I did not. I did not talk to him about that. Secretly. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I thought yeah. about it at the time, but honest to God, I'm not sure I wanted to be in the airplane that has the canopy come off and a rocket fire out of my cockpit. Right. On, yeah. on right, you right know, before you go over the ramp, 300 yeah. feet from the boat. You know. Right. I mean, you know. No. I, I, yeah, I, I decided yeah. that you know I was just going to fly a nice pass. And right, I'm, I'm with you. And, I, and obviously, you did because yeah. he didn't punch you guys out, <laughs> right? And you brought an F fourteen F fourteen D back to the. So, what was the problem? What was um, the problem? With the, a, uh, the flight controls go. They're all hard push pull rods, and they went underneath the, both seats. They went from my stick underneath my ejection seat, underneath his ejection seat, and then turned ninety degrees and went up behind the seat. And okay. then did another like you know eighty five degree turn and went down the turtle back right so yeah right uh, and so in that mechanical vertical, issue yeah so in that vertical column where the where the push rods were going up there was a big ECS duct environmental control system duct air conditioning duct and it had a bunch of clips and and mounts and one of those mounts somehow had been damaged and a part of the flight control had peeled on the catapult. It had leaned back and moved against the flight controls here in the catapult. Yeah. And, uh, and it peeled a little piece of metal and was a hard stop. And, and it turns out I probably could have just punched right through it, but 
we didn't know that at the time. And we were afraid that I'd, I'd punch through it and get the stick over there stuck in concrete and the airplane would just be rolling out of control and we'd have to jump out. So yeah. we decided okay. to just take what we had. Real, real quick, our man Chase is on it. You And I know what you said and repeat knows what you said, but uh, turtleback. You said, oh, hey, sure. the controls go up and the turtle back. Can you just explain that for our sure, yeah. non-fighter pilot guys? If you look at the if you look at the back of a Tomcat, uh, that sexy beast, you have that, that <laughs> canopy, you know, sitting up there covering the cockpit, but the, the whole nose section of the airplane fares into the, the big tennis court, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. where the engines and everything are, are housed and, in the wings. And it is a tennis court. It's huge, yeah. And so you have that that beautiful cockpit sitting on the front and it's fared behind the cockpit to blend the body. And that's the turtle back. Right. So, Thank and, you. Uh, and it looks like a, a turtle shell in the back. And, you know. and for our non aviator listeners, sure. the F 14 is truly, it takes up the real estate of a tennis court. I'm not sure tennis courts are that big. I'm just saying. It's not a small aircraft. It's beautiful. It's a mu- it yeah. is very sexy. It looks fast. Yeah. Sitting on the ramp, it does. But uh, with those wings swept forward, I bet you took up every inch of your uh, landing lane on it on a big deck carrier. Yeah, so, we had yeah. we had more room than than the E twos did, and the E twos yeah. had the longest wingspan in the in the cod. But but I think we had nine feet on either side. I'd have to look again. Okay. I, I think we had nine feet. It went a lot. Yeah. You couldn't pick up a big drift in close. But Jungle, I'll never forget the first time that we did a dissimilar with an F-14. And, and we were on the way to Mir- Oceana for Friday night happy hour. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we were fighting, and the whiskey area going to be. Anyway, the very first time, very first time, saw one airborne. I thought, I, I could see it in a turn. And I'm like, hey, do you see that? And I'm like, yeah, how far are you away? I don't know. It was like 15 miles yeah. away. Yeah. But yeah. I'm like, Holy shit! Because we were getting yeah. bogey, you know, we were getting GCI. He goes, "You're bogey the 15 miles." I said, 15 miles! Holy shit! Because yeah. you know, He's, we're not we're we're used to looking at each other's airplanes. Yeah, and they're, they're hard to see, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's a tennis court off it, in the distance in the turn. You're like, "Holy shit!" It would blank out the sun, and then it would come <laughs> nose on and disappear. It would. Yeah. It would. You know? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> yeah, looking right at me. I can't see him. He's gone. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was right there. Where'd he go? Yeah, if, if you were to get shot in a hurry, man. You just you just show up and found on the ranges and pull up into the vertical. Yeah, you know, just just do one of these, and every yeah. bandit for twenty Everybody miles. Everybody goes there. He is you now. You know, your fight central. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, oh, man. Well, this has been a wonderful evening. We have taken so much of your time. First thing I want to do is offer you the opportunity to come back with us at some point. I hope you've had as much fun as we've had. It's you know I, I will uh, I, I will talk till I'm out of breath about airplanes. I, I absolutely love it. Right yeah, I don't know if you realize this, and I did until I just looked at the clock. We've been at this for an hour and 45 minutes. Bro. Yeah. I, I apologize. It, it went like no, that. No, no, don't no. apologize. <laughs> I'm having I'm a ball. You, it I just, went, it, we're, yeah, we're I, th- I thought we were evening. talking for about 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah that's how, uh, that's how it works. You know? So. Oh, my gosh. So, well, we'll go ahead and land this plane. But uh, like I say, we want to have you back. Anytime you're welcome back, love to have you. Thank and you want to thank you. I want to thank you for your service. Thank you for stepping up and hanging it out there for this nation. And, and thank you, Bride, for uh, her sacrifice to help you do that. So. Absolutely. I appreciate and, it. Uh, and, Jungle, oh. I, I, I have one more question for you. But first, I want to reiterate what he said. And I totally remember you now from Kingsville. Totally. It is very, very good memories, by the way. 
VF213. Was that Black Lions? The Black yeah. Lions? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That, that squad kind of had a bad, had a black cloud hanging over it for a while. There was a lot was, of crazy. The sea lions, the black clouds, the, yeah. They, Boy. I, you know, I, I was not a decision maker at that time. I was, you know, a junior officer, lieutenant. I, I have, I can't pretend to know everything that was going on and why, but when I got there, they had just transitioned to the F-14D. You know, get them out of right. A. They, they crashed yeah, that, five A's. And, yeah, the bad shit happened in the older ones. Yeah, that was Carol Holt, 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 Holt Green. Yes, there was a yes. whole bunch. They, you yeah. know, they, they had a bunch of bunch of mishaps. It was oh. tragic, and okay. um, and so then they transitioned to D's. And when I got there, they, they were you know D baby. We're gonna, they sent two or three D babies over there to that squadron to try and help with the transition and everything else. And and man, that that organization had a bunker mentality, particularly in maintenance. You know, they were just you know absolutely dug in. You're not telling us anything. The world hates us. And, you know, yeah. we're not talking to outsiders at all. Cause everybody, you know, it was, it was a really tough culture when I got there. And um, I, I'd like to say we had some positive effect. I was only there, you know, 18 months or so. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what I contributed very much to, but we had a, we had a blast and we, we trained some good guys and there were some, some good air crew and some great maintainers yeah. there. And, and we did it, you know, we, we did it. But they went on to have some trouble after I left. And that's it something. Was, it's like know. there's a black cloud sometimes. I, I, you know, squad. I, I think, right. you know, right. I, I have no idea. You know. All Squire, right. Well, thank you for that. I'm sorry to get over time. But yeah. Thanks, sorry yeah. to sidetrack. Yeah. I just want to make sure I had that straight in my head. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Repeat. I'm off. I'm off. Uh, yeah, I'm off my horse. Well, there we go. All right. We'll get a couple <laughs> other thank yous in here, and then we'll say goodnight. So first thing we need to thank is our mentor and tech guru, uh, Dave Hamilton, over at BackBeatMedia.com. Uh, Dave was uh, instrumental in helping us get this podcast up and running from show one, and he's been by our side the entire time. He works at BackBeat Media. In fact, he owns BackBeatMedia.com and handles all the advertising for this show. So that's online uh, there. We appreciate all, all his help. Um Hey, hey, if we you have a questions, terms. whoa, yeah. a lot of terms, right? Yeah. And we try to cover them, uh, and maybe uh, maybe we didn't get everything covered. So uh, if you have any questions, or uh, if it's not in the glossary, because we t- we try to put everything in the glossary, you can email us at uh, repeat at uh, so there I was dot us, US. Yeah. fig at so there I was dot us, or really, if you want a really good answer, you need to email sticks because he's the brains of the operation. Sticks and so there I was. Uh, dot us. Yeah, yeah. And you see me uh, all out in my regalia tonight. Dude, I've got you are, the, you are I've got the cover. I got the polo shirt. I got the uh, the koozie. Top notch. Yeah, all available to you today. It's so there I was. Dot us slash merch. The newest right, that, is that, the that, hoodie. That, next spring, I'm gonna wear the bikini for a, for a show. There you go. I'm gonna wear it. Yeah. <laughs> not not really. Nobody wants to see that. Show. Yeah. So. I could get my uh, girlfriend or my wife to come down here, though, and have it on in the back. Hopefully not at the same time. Well, they, they know each no. other now. They're, oh, they, they do? Okay, as long as they're friends. <laughs> uh, they oh. might be the same person. I'm not right. sure. Well, there's that. There's always that possibility. And uh, thanks this week to Michelle Langseth, who uh, threw some money at us this week. $50. Thank you very much. God bless you. We know that money wasn't uh, just thrown in your pocket, but you threw it in ours, and we're humbled by that. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. That's amazing. Yeah. Patrick Miller. 
Patrick yep. Miller? Yeah, I think we thanked them a couple weeks ago. It was Patrick Miller and Peter Simon. Um, but, uh, light. Yeah, late, late and says. And says, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, share, uh, the show. share the show, damn it. Just share the show. Stop what you're doing right now. Tell two <laughs> friends about this show. And tell them to tell two friends. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. And, of course, uh, just uh, another huge patron has happens to be on enlisting this evening is Chucker. Thank Chucker. you, sir. You're a huge supporter, fan, patron. We can't thank you enough for all you've done for us. We, uh, hey, Chucker uh, lined us up with our man, Jungle. Hey, Chucker. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Indeed. Hey, Jungle. Send send some other uh, send some other people our way because we got to get know, some, yeah we got to get these stories out there. Bro. I will. This was a blast, man. I love I love the idea of documenting this and, and kind of just capturing this. Awesome. In fact, word is uh, you might have a friend who uh, is in charge of one of the big tech carriers out there these days. Yeah, he's sitting off the coast of Israel right now. He's still oh. the US one of my wow. very favorite backseaters of all time. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe we get a maybe we get a phone patch and uh, just do an interview, right? Yeah. What do you, what, what do you think the yeah, internet no, cost is for that satellite interview from the live from the deck of the Ford? We'll, we'll get him when he retires. There you go. Absolutely. We'll get him when he retires. Thanks to Brad Silcott over at BDS Aviation Photography.com for letting us use your images on the show, and of course that music in the background. Two of our favorite Air Force pilots. Those guys make the Air Force sound good. They do indeed. F-16 pilots, uh, the Dos Gringos. Dos awesome gringos. music. I can't, you can't have a bad day when you listen to any one of their songs. Right. They, They're all well, awesome. They lighten your heart. So, until next week, folks, thanks for joining us. Stay safe and check six. Crossing the pond And you could see that I wasn't exactly fond Of all the shit I was wearing On that day Now an F-16 is cramped enough But it's even worse With all that stuff Supposed to save your life But we knew there was no way Cause when you're going down The North Atlantic, man, it's over You heard him, Fig He said it's over Oh, boy, is this great! <laughs> yes, it is. I never know what you're going to do. That's awesome. Man. See ya. See ya!